Hi, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Therapy with John Todd and special guest, special guy, Aaron Rostovsky. Did I get it right? Nailed it. All right. Aaron's one of our baseball writers. We're going to talk about baseball later because first we're oh. going to talk about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl that was the best Super Bowl ever until it wasn't. And then it was the worst Super Bowl ever all in one moment. Hmm. One moment, Todd. One moment. One moment in which the Kansas City Chiefs were gifted a Super Bowl after they were oh, gifted an AFC championship. Gifted. It was rigged. Everything was rigged. The NFL script writers had their way. All those people that have told me my entire life that the NFL was rigged and the earth is flat, suddenly I believe the earth is flat. How the hell is it a better story that Kansas City is the Super Bowl champion than Philadelphia? Everybody loves Patrick Mahomes. Ha! No argument with that. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so we have uh, 19 people here in the chat. How many of you saw everybody watched the Super Bowl? Okay, the official the official count was there was 113 million people watched the Super Bowl. That's roughly a third of America. And 118 million tuned in for Rihanna's halftime show. And I I think that's kind of interesting that more people tuned in for the halftime show than the Super Bowl. But of course they did because they knew, you know what? Five million people knew I was rigged ahead of time. <laughs> no, that's because, that's because another 15 million people just wanted to give the old double fingers to Donald Trump who was running down Rihanna and saying, Donald, we support our gal. That was a hell of a halftime performance. That one was right up top tier with Prince and, and you know, whoever the other top tier people are. That was an excellent, excellent halftime show. So you, she did it with a like, bigger belly than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You like, you, so you guys liked their halftime show? Yeah. I thought it was real good. I only have one complaint about the halftime show. And it's a it's a general complaint. It's not a complaint about Rihanna. I like Rihanna. I like that uh, song she did with Calvin Harris. What is it? Uh, we found love in a hopeless place or something like that. Anyway, I, the thing, I, the only thing I have a question about if the younger people are watching is where are the musicians nowadays? Yeah, I'm not a Rolling Stones guy. I'm tired of the Rolling Stones years ago, but. Uh, we had Carlos Santana, Pete Townsend, Eric Clapton. You don't see any people oh, yeah. that are actually musicians and get up and perform anymore. Well, and everything's lip synced. I mean, it's the the whole platform thing was pretty. Uh, well, it was pretty wild. They're trying to appeal to a younger audience, John. They made that clear a few years ago when people were bitching about Springsteen and well, the old geezer, Springsteen, the Stones, and you know the people from our era, and they said. You know, we've got to do something that appeals to the younger crowd. And what last year was the weekend. And we've seen J-Lo and, uh, oh, the the Coochie Latina gal. Um, what the hell is her name? Um, last year was the L.A. one. That was the cool one. That was my yeah. favorite one. Yeah. Week, I mean, weekend. The, there have been some good shows, but. Hey, modern, you know, John, we could do a full podcast daily about how new music sucks. And um, 
you know, it's not like it used to be, even though I know that you listen to some of the new stuff. But hey, okay. Last year we had last year we had the weekend with people with jocks on their head. This halftime show was full of oompa loompas everywhere. They that's could dance. They were yeah, the best. They could dance. They could dance. Okay, Lucky with Dre and Fifty and all those guys. To the game, to the game. I honestly, the call just blew the whole thing for me. I just thought it was just stupid. It was a, a dumb call to make at that time. It was a weak call. My problem isn't necessarily with that call then. Yes, it is. Actually, I'm lying. But here's the thing that I actually want to say. I don't know how anybody gets to play defense in the NFL anymore because when you look at how they call the defensive backs for everything, for holding, for pass interference, face guarding, all this stuff, I have no idea. You could call that stuff on every play. And I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you went, of course it was holding. And if you're not a Chiefs fan, uh, you're like, ah, whatever. And if if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you're like, ah, fuck it, let's burn down Kansas City because that's normally what I would think the Eagles fan reaction would be. But I just, I don't know. I just wanted well, to complain about it. I think the thing is, John, you know, that and a lot of the talking heads today, I was on the road quite a bit. You know, it was, if you're going to call it in the fourth quarter, you need to call it in the first quarter. You know, that kind of consistency argument. And, you know, for the most part, there were not very many flags in this game at all. There were no holding penalties on at the line of scrimmage for either team in the game. And that's almost unheard of. So, you know, again, the referees kept the hankies in the pocket for the most part. And so then, you know, you see something like this happen at a pivotal point in the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly, um, you know, it, it certainly brought attention, I guess. I don't know how to say it exactly. What I thought was really kind of curious, um, you know, was earlier in the game, they showed uh, Devonte Smith. Does he weigh like 125 pounds? I mean, there's hardly anything to that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But they showed Devonte Smith out on the edge, blocking on a running play, and you know they slowed it all down and everything. I mean, he had a handful of jersey and shoulder pad with his right hand, and he had a handful of jersey underneath the shoulder pad with his left hand. You know, and it was so funny because the announcer kept talking about. You know, the fact that he took on that that defender and did such a good job, you know, staying in contact with him and blocking and that type of thing. But, you know, he had these two handfuls with no flags. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating that what was otherwise, uh, I, I think most people would think was otherwise a very good football game. One call late in the game now stole the headlines from um, from the rest of the excellence that we saw. It did. And then there there, there was the uh, field. Yeah. The Arizona, the, you know, for some reason, uh, college football guys on Twitter pointed this out yesterday, that uh, the Fiesta Bowl, every year they try to play the Fiesta Bowl and it, the field is just a piece of crap. And, you know, yet they still want to hold these big games in Arizona. And I don't know. I, I think that there's something to that. <sighs> we could probably go on about this for a long time. You know, uh, here's something. And I am not I am not an agronomist, a horticulturalist or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but supposedly this is some new kind of grass. You know, they called it. They had a name for it. I've been in that 
that stadium. I was down there, you know, I think probably in about the third or fourth year that um, it was up for the Fiesta Bowl. And um, what what struck me as soon as I – well, we were out there a couple days before, so we saw the field, you know, outside on these rail tracks that they roll it in. But what really struck me is when I was inside of that place, how ungodly humid it was. I mean, yeah. it was amazingly humid inside of that area. And, you know, I – I don't know if the conditions just aren't right to develop root systems in that sod. You know, who knows what it is. But um, playing on grass in dome stadiums, I think, is a different experience than playing on grass, you know, outside. Well, we keep hearing, you know what, we keep hearing about how we have to have all these games in the South because, oh my God, we could never have, even college football playoff games, we could never have those outdoors in the winter in the North. And the, everything would be terrible. And here you watch the biggest game of the year, probably the biggest sporting event in the world besides the World Cup. And the field is a miserable, it, the whole thing was kind of miserable for the field. Well, so, I'll tell you what. I, did, did Were you guys, I know the announcers mentioned it, but did either of you guys sit there and watch Butker get ready for that kick at the end and think, you know, this guy could slip. I mean, he could. Right, yeah. Yeah, Elliot slipped on a kickoff, the uh, Eagles kicker. It looked like he was about to break his ankle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's so let's say Owen Walker comes in with a comment says uh, so if the NF is the NFL rigged, which I think he means is the NFL rigged. Yes, it is, Owen. It is rigged. There you go. The it Chiefs, is not, Owen. The Chiefs were gifted a Super Bowl because uh, I don't know some political uh, implication somewhere or something. The John okay, Johnston gotta... NFL cult uh, meets on Thursday. If any of you <laughs> would like to drink some Kool-Aid with John and talk conspiracy theories about NFL football, please join John. And, and I, he might even give you like one of those little badges when you fill out your membership <laughs> card. Okay, you know what? Where is dark matter, Todd? Where is it? Okay, Linda Wilkins gives us an update on the Marathon Challenge, the World Marathon Challenge. She says to close out the World Marathon Challenge, they both completed it. The 41-year-old mom was not interested in running this weekend. The 13-year-old went out running another half marathon. Oh, my God. That's, uh, that sounds just, I don't know, that sounds too much. That sounds like it's something I'd never do. Of course, I'm 60. I got tired just listening to you read it. Yeah, I'm 60 <laughs> and been dead once. I, that's enough for me. Well, you know what, Lindy? Tell them good job for us. You know, that's good pretty job impressive. To know that it is impressive. I talked to a marathon runner um, at the wrestling meet on Saturday out, out in my hometown. There was a guy who was sitting in front of us, and he had on a shirt. Uh, he'd run in the Boston Marathon, actually. And uh, – had a grandson wrestling in the tournament. So I got to talking to him and I brought up this world marathon thing. And he said, uh, well, that is above and beyond, <laughs> you know, what, what most marathoners do that, you know, the, that's, that's really impressive. 
And, you know, Linda, I don't know if you're trying to turn me into a, a, a raging alcoholic. Um, I, I, I do consume and I, I really enjoyed the beer that you've recommended. In fact, I had that beer, Elder, I, I'm not going to say it correctly, Eldrigger, um, uh, when I was in Europe and good stuff. So I have I have tried that. Um, no, I am not going to try the hard Mountain Dew. My son is buying that by uh, by the twelve pack, and as far as I'm concerned, that's like Jolly Rancher, Jolly Rancher death. Um, I no, no, no five percent alcohol hard Mountain Dew for Todd. Uh, I'll stick to beer and bourbon. Should, should we go to Nebraska sports? Yeah, we had Nebraska's had a good weekend, guys. We had a uh, down seventeen points and come back and won over Wisconsin in overtime. Uh, you know that. Uh, you know it's. I think. I don't know where I'm going. It was a good win. I, you know I what was mostly good about it, Todd? Do you know I, what was most the best thing about it? You're probably going to steal my thunder, but I'll say what. It's uh, made the Wisconsin fans very unhappy. Well, yeah, of course. But it probably knocked them out of the NCAA tournament. And hey, you, you, you guys, you know, hey, Big Ten, you come to Lincoln at your own peril. You know, we are the bubble bursters, <laughs> and in in Lincoln, Nebraska, Penn State, you know, they're sitting there thinking they're going to get into the big dance. Uh, uh-uh, no way, no how. Come over to Nebraska, get your butts kicked. And now your season's down the toilet. Wisconsin comes in the same way, sitting there on the bubble, and they come into Lincoln, Nebraska, taking on the Cornhuskers. Boom, out of there, done, season over. What I want to know is why the crocodile tears from some people about Nebraska fans booing Chucky Hepburn. Chucky could have come to Nebraska. He could have been a Cornhusker. He could have been idolized by the faithful. No, he turns up his nose. Not good enough for me. I'm going to become a badger. And then they come to town and they think that he's going to be treated with respect. Hell no. Hell no. I think you should just, I think, uh, yeah, I know that the, the boo, that was a big discussion on Twitter. I know that people have a, you know, you should never boo players. I think that that's kind of, I don't know. Come on. You know what? They're, they're 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 grown men. Their peers have gone off to places that I've never gone and done things I was never going to do. Uh, I don't. If you're going to come into a place and expect to not be booed, I think that's a little silly. Aaron, do you boo? I mean, college age kids. Yeah, I'm not going to like a fifth graders game and booing, but at that point, the college age kids there <laughs> well, they know what they're getting in for. So, I mean, Nebraska has a slight, slight, slight shot at the NIT. But the nice thing is, is we're causing pain for other people. And, uh, yeah, I enjoy that. Wrestling wins. The, the wrestling team had some good wins, Todd. Oh, man. Great. I'll tell you what. After <laughs> I've had to, you know, kind of fess up here a little bit. After the start of the season, when they got beat by North Dakota State, you know, I was, I thought, oh my gosh. And um, thanks, Roger. I had my Jerry Speed, Joe Schweiback, buddy. Um, 
watching watching them on television Sunday night or excuse me Friday night against Ohio State. That's the best I've seen Nebraska wrestle in quite a few years as a team. They were just outstanding, and they beat a good team, you know, in their home gym. Now, Ohio State had a couple of guys out of the lineup. I would have loved to have seen Lenny Pinto take on Caleb Romero at 184 pounds. You know, I'm not sure that Lenny would have gotten a W there, but it would have been exciting as hell. Um but nonetheless, Nebraska took it to the Buckeyes. And, you know, Coach Manning has that team on an upward progression. They've wrestled better as the season's gone on. And then I went down and watched the Rutgers meet on Sunday before the Super Bowl. And, you know, they didn't have quite the same energy as they had against Ohio State, but they weren't wrestling Ohio State. Ohio State was the third-ranked team in the country, and Nebraska beat them handily. And I think that bodes really well for that wrestling team moving into the tournaments. They got Arizona State next weekend at home. It'll be senior night for a couple of guys. Uh, and then it's the Big Tens and, and the NCAA tournament. And I, I at the little booster gathering they had before the meet, um, Coach Manning always asks if people have questions. I always try to ask a question that no other people aren't going to ask. But I asked, how does he get his team? You know, he's had the team getting better all the way up and and what what's next getting them ready for march and he said the key is really to have them fresh <clears throat> excuse me and um you know giving them some time off and let their bodies heal and and then working you know a lot of individual kinds of stuff to have them have them in 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 the right place to go exciting times for wrestling i'll just leave it that i love wrestling and uh hopefully in the big 10 they get third you know a, a top five finish would be awesome NCAA tournament. I don't know if they got the horsepower to bring home a trophy, but still, it'll it'll be good. You did. You had the chance to ask Mark Manning any question you wanted, and you didn't ask. Is the NFL rigged? <laughs> um, that question was brought up, and Mark Manning's response was, "What the hell's the NFL?" <laughs> okay, Todd or Aaron, who's going to be the softball person? I thought Patrick was doing softball. Well, Randy. okay. Did you? Did you? He's not here, is he? Oh, you want one of us to talk softball? Yeah. Surprise. I, I think between the two of us, we could probably do okay. Okay. Well, Nebraska's softball season has started. Courtney Wallace was the Big Ten pitcher of the week this week. What happened? Do you know? She threw three what? shutouts. I know that. How many games they going, played? They won all think, their games. They lost one, didn't they? They were they four and one. one. I think they lost like a okay. one to nothing or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's the softball update. Well, what else Courtney, is anything? What else is going on? Hey, that's all you're going to give to softball? <laughs> well, I didn't know if you had more or not. You can. You guys can tell we really prepare a lot for these shows. <laughs> They mostly listened before we started the show. They mostly listened to me scream about the NFL. <laughs> I really don't have a whole lot more to add. Courtney Wallace was awesome. And, you know, they didn't score a lot of runs offensively this weekend. So, you know, hopefully Coach Ravel, you know, has uh, a little bit more success next weekend. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna bump up in the level of competition next week. Um, they'll have, you know, some – tougher teams that they're going to play. But, hey, you know, <laughs> they did not give up runs. And uh, 
that's that's a good place to start. Okay, I did a YouTube earlier. I did a YouTube video. It, uh, oh my God, come on. It was a tough day today. It was a hard focusing day for me today. I did a video earlier on this, but Mike Schaefer at 247, he's a recruiting guy. He's a pretty good recruiting guy. Gave a crystal ball to Dylan Rayola to Nebraska. I did a video about the fact that it just makes me nervous because I think Nebraska had, can't have nice things. And it just feels like he, like we're doing this and we're doing this, and at the last moment he's going to go, oh, no, I'm going to Georgia. Or, oh, God, I'm going to Colorado, at which point I just, I don't know, go outside and crawl into the forest and weep for a while. Yeah, don't speak that into existence. So... Uh, I don't know. Is there any other Nebraska football news that really touched anybody's heart? Touched their uh, heart? The only thing was we got a world champion in the Chiefs discussion earlier, DiCaprio Boodle. That's the only thing I had for football. Oh, that's right. That's right. He got a he, DiCaprio Boodle got a Super Bowl ring. Which means he took it away from Jack Stoll and Dominican Sue and Cam Jurgens. Yeah, that's what happened there. Thank you, Linda, for the notice on the volume. I I actually have two new microphones. Here's one with a dead cat, and here's the one I'm using now. And I am going to experiment a lot on new videos, new audio. I'm trying to get all this stuff right. So I am working on trying to get my videos better. You'll notice now that I have the ethereal lighting in the background. And it's got this neat little thing that kids use for starlight. You know what the hardest thing about that is? No, what is it? Please tell us. Todd knows this already. You guys might as well know. I am a contrarian. I am such a contrarian. It's something I've tried to fight hard against all my life. I don't have the energy to fight it anymore. But when I pick this light up to put it in, there's this little label on it that says, don't look at the laser. And all I can think of, you can't tell me what to do, you little bastard. I stare right into the laser and I'm blind for three hours. That's a terrible joke. Okay. Uh Baseball. Should we just go to baseball now? Is there any more football? Anything else? Well, before we start, I need to answer a question from Roger Moore, and that is what I got. Not the beer that Greg dropped off. <sighs> I, Joel <laughs> Tilson says John needs a disco light bulb. I, I could probably. Try I think that. that I think that fits your persona better than ethereal lighting. Ethereal. <laughs> This is this is for the YouTube channel. I'm going to start with conspiracy theories. <laughs> we'll have Roger Moore come on and and episode one NASCAR is rigged. You know, uh, I I think I've mentioned this before, but my brother Jim is a dirt track guy who hates NASCAR with a passion because it is rigged. There you go. Just said it. Uh, okay. Baseball. Did we go to baseball? I tell you what, I am just so sick and tired of every. You don't win, so it's rigged. It's rigged. Rigged. Rigged, I I tell you. I'm triggering your old man sentiment sensibilities, aren't I? All right. Linda says it's time to talk about baseball, and and we always like to do what Linda Linda tells us. And, And that's why we have Aaron here is to talk about baseball. I mean, Aaron can talk about a lot of things. 
Okay. We're, do you want me to like MC this because you guys know baseball and I, you know what I know we're going to play baseball against San Diego this Friday and we're going to listen to Greg Sharp and his Ben McLaughlin still the other guy. We don't know. I believe so. I think our ba- I think our radio guys for baseball are too fabulous. The, the radio mm-hmm. crew we have for baseball are excellent. They are great. I never. Yeah, I know a lot of people want to watch the team. I am perfectly fine listening to Nebraska baseball on the Huskers app. I'm not even getting paid for saying that. But uh, after that, you guys are the baseball guys. You're paying attention to the roster and what's going on and everything. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? What? Let me ask you this: What part of this team is the strongest? I'd say the bullpen. That's All the arms we've got coming back. Elaborate. Yeah. We've got starters coming back that are going back into the bullpen role. We've got transfers coming in that throw ninety-five to ninety-seven. Uh, I went to. They had Fan Davis last week which I saw Todd's dad at <laughs> and picked up a new hat that Todd would like. Cause I got rid of my black one. Cause uh, I bought I that one before last learned. season and that didn't go great. So got a proper hat for Todd. Um, <laughs> but I went and watched the, they had a scrimmage that was open to the public and like probably three dozen people showed up. Uh, so we got to watch uh, Kaminska took on the, like de facto starting lineup that we're going to roll out there in San Diego, probably. And yeah, he struggled first couple batters, but after that he was, he was rolling. He throw 93, 95 had something that was about 80 miles an hour. And then another change up as well. He, he looks like he'll be a solid acquisition. And then they're bringing in all sorts of guys from the bullpen. Uh, there was a guy from A&M Rizzo. he, howls like Raider did each time he throws it with a loud grunt. And I don't think anyone swung at a fastball. If they did, they didn't touch it. He was 95 the whole time. And there was whenever he tried to mix in whatever change up or curveball he's got that that's the only time anyone even swung or got a hit off of him. He's, he's a young kid too, isn't he, Aaron? I mean, you know, he, he came from A&M, but I don't, I don't, I think he's still like, I think he redshirted. I think he's got four years to play four. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll factor in right away. Okay, so yeah. what did we think about starting pitchers? This is this Friday. He's going to be the Friday guy to begin. <laughs> the starting pitching, they've been pretty tight-lipped, but they always are. And, you know, Aaron, throw out some names, too, if I don't if I don't hit on. But I, I think Emmett Olsen has to be considered as one of the starters. You know, a left-hander that's coming back. Um, you know, he was, he really got in a groove last year and he had an opportunity to, to pitch with USA baseball this last summer. So, uh, so I think, I think he's got to be in the mix. You know, uh, Aaron mentioned Kaminska, uh, transferred from Wichita state. I think he's, he's probably going to be out there. Um, That's why they threw him at the scrimmage on Saturday was because he's going to be the Saturday guy. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would guess Brett Sears from Iowa Rust or Iowa central, Community college, he might have a shot. Um, you got the the kid Garza kid from I think it's Garza from Incarnate Word. He was a Friday starter down there. Um, I, I don't think they'll probably put a freshman out this first weekend as a starter. I might be wrong. Um, 
but you know, people have talked about this Caleb Clark from Canada as a as a legit young pitcher, and uh, we've got this kid from Texas, J.C. Gutierrez, who led the state of Texas in strikeouts last year. Um, you know, as far as your veterans, though, I, you know, Drew Christo, uh, Will Bolt has singled him out, has said that he's really come on. I mean, my gosh, you look at Drew Christo from Elkhorn. The kid he stands out on that mound, and he's imposing as all. He's got the physical tools. He just he just was wild over the plate last year and wild off the plate. When he threw it over the plate, they hit it. And if he didn't throw it over the plate, he was walking him. But now he's got a breaking pitch is what they say to go with his fastball. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully he's taking some steps forward. Who, who am I missing from the starting opportunities there, Aaron? Caleb Clark. I will say, I will say I forgot to send you. I had the pitching notes that I sent you some of the other stuff, but I forgot to send you the pitching notes. Sears pitched a little bit on Saturday, so I'm guessing he's not in the mix. If I had to guess, it would be Garza, the incarnate word guy, and then Clark. I think those are going to be the – for Olson, Kaminska, Clark, Garza. Yeah. What, do we know, what do we know left, about Caleb Clark? Clark. Caleb Clark. Clark. Yeah, he he pitched. Uh, he's he's from Canada, from Ontario. He spent two years on the Canadian national junior team. Um, they say his athletic is all get out. Now, Aaron, you've seen him maybe up close. I don't. I haven't yet, but okay. every. Every like coach from his high school and all those select teams that he plays on say that he's something special, even than the other select guys they had on there. So, yeah, I would, I would expect him to come in and get some work early on. Yeah, I, Linda says, uh, "Are wait, I lost it." Linda says, "Are we talking wild thing wild or just a little high and outside?" <laughs> Well, she's referring to my comments with Drew Christo. Drew Christo was always around the plate, and uh, but the ball was – I mean, he, he didn't have much of a breaking pitch or off speed. And, you know, at that level, I, I know a lot of people – you know, a lot of people get excited when they hear 92, 93, 94, and I don't know if Christo – I don't know what he was throwing at last year, but it was – hitters would just sit back and hack away, and it was unfortunate. I – I, I Drew Crystal got off to a bad start last year and he couldn't dig himself out. And he's got the he's got the talent and the potential, you know, I think. Okay, Blaine Cole from Japan says, I know it's a tired subject, but what do you guys what do you think of college players using aluminum bats? It's a cost thing. They have to use them, even though they are more expensive per bat. Colleges that aren't like Nebraska sized can't afford to keep replacing wooden bats that are back in when I was in school, they're probably 70 bucks a pop. Now they're probably 110 bucks a pop. And they break them so aren't gonna quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. are these really aluminum bats though? I mean, they're, they, they haven't, they done stuff to the core so that you don't hear the tink as much. Oh, well, they're different kinds of composite. They're different kinds yeah, of composite. Yeah. So the ball doesn't come off the, the, um, the bat as quickly yeah. as it used to when they oh, yeah. they took away the trampoline from 1997 yeah <laughs> so what we're talking about is when a pitcher would throw a fastball throw a pitch and it, uh, you know you get a line drive to the face and damn near kill him 
And I think that was probably the biggest complaint. I know a lot of fans complain about the tink or the, you know, aluminum bats are horrible, but the, I think there was a huge safety issue too. Uh, James Marshall says they are trying to emulate wood. I think a big reason for that is uh, because when you evaluate a college player, the major league guys are like, we can't evaluate these guys with aluminum bats. You know, we don't know how they're going to hit with wood. And, you know, it's kind of like how big your hands are in the NFL draft that they make well, a big deal out of. The, the, the performance of the bats that they're using now in college is pretty close to wooden bats. Not exactly the same, but a lot closer is – Aaron mentioned, you know, back in 1997, I don't know if that was the year that Arizona State played yep. somebody in this College World Series uh, championship game, but it was a football USC. score by the time it was all done. 21-14. Yeah, yeah, 21-14. And, um, you know, it, it just changed the game so much. And um, But, you know, I, I had no idea what had happened to the cost of you know, the price of wooden bats, because there's a lot of kids that play in wooden bat leagues and some of the college players play in wooden bat leagues in the summertime and whatever. But yeah, I was shocked. You, you don't, you don't get a cheap wooden bat anymore. And um, they do break and um, it, it is, it's an economic decision that's made by the, by the colleges and universities. So back to the, back to the roster infield, talk about the infield. Who's good? Biggest move is uh, Max Anderson's going from third base to second base, and that's to make way for our other kind of talented superstar freshman, who was the number one player in Colorado, was Dylan Carey. And speaking of guys that go to summer leagues, he actually, and you never hear this, he went to Missouri to play in a collegiate summer league after his <laughs> high school was over, just so he could have a better be better prepared for this. I've never heard of a high school guy doing yeah. that. They always just, if they have like a summer league where they're sponsored by like their local grocery store, they'll go do that, but they never go and join those collegiate leagues. But he's kind of the big piece. He's a uh, shortstop by trade, but they wanted him on the other side of that, the left side of the infield to kind of help. I don't know if you noticed our defense wasn't great last year. <laughs> so they're trying to get him worked in there to, to kind of beef that up. But otherwise, Matthews was at short. And uh, at first base, when I was watching those scrimmage, they had a Will Walsh, is a, I think a sophomore, is a left-handed pitcher and first baseman. He was getting the majority of the looks. And then my man Mikey Pauly was his back up there. Oh, my then, God, we have all these new names to know. I know. Mikey Polly, he's the one that's on the football team. He's a three-star quarterback that turned down scholarship offers from Kansas State and Kansas to come up here to play baseball. Really? So baseball is his main baseball is his main sport, but he'll also be on the football team in season. Mikey Polly. Yep. I will he was a catcher. He was the number one catcher in Kansas, but he's 6'4", 215. He's They've moved him out to first base just because we've got a lot of catchers this year too. Which uh, who's that? Who do we expect at catcher? So they're probably they're moving Everett out. I'm assuming he'll DH most of the time. He played a little first base in that scrimmage too, but he didn't he didn't catch at all. Uh, Josh Karen, he was the starting catcher with the the number one team. Uh, 
he's got a good arm. He can frame it a lot better than ever it did. But man, his blocking or blocking is going to be a step down. You're going to see a lot more wild pitches if our pitchers are like they were last year. Uh, in, well, that's an honest guys, assessment. I'm yeah, I'm hard on catchers. I've always have been. <laughs> uh, incoming guys, there is Zach Johnson who is just a beast of a bat. The hill probably end up playing outfield a little bit too because I forget what his number was. He had something like 20 home runs and hit 400 and something last year and was a Juco All-American first team and I think even player of the year under some some publications. And then the kind of forgotten one is Ben Columbus who he's he looks like he's been catching since he was like five years old and uh also has some pop in his bat. He's the only guy that even got close to a home run in the scrimmage. It was about eight inches short of knocking one out there and he hit, he did hit a home run uh when they played down at Kansas for the fall fall game. He was the only one that hit a home run down there too, so he's not the kind of most distinguished bat coming in, but he's got some He's got some pop. We may end up seeing him based on how good I saw him looking in the scrimmage early on, too. Okay, outfield. Do we have one? Because we did not have an outfield last year. (laughs) So I was a lot more excited for the outfield prior to going to Fan Day. And I saw, (laughs) as you'll see tomorrow in the the, uh, picture on the article, Brumbaugh is in some sort of a sling, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him because I had a three and a five-year-old running around there that I had to keep track of. So I'm not sure if that's something that's going to linger on into the season, if it's just a precaution thing or, or what's happening there. But he would be our day one center fielder, leadoff hitter, if he's in the lineup. And he's kind of like Jackson Hallmark. He was a he was a really highly rated second baseman. I think he was like the number they did like a five round draft mock up for his senior year. And he was a second round pick, like number 35 or something like that. That's how highly he thought of he was as an infielder, but coach Bolt sees him like he saw a hallmark that he wants him in center field. Cause he's just got perfect instincts for the ball. Um, and then we got the, uh, Anglin coming back. I expect him to be in a corner infield. And then, uh, from Kansas, Casey Burnham. He's another just pure instinctual center fielder. Fast, can fly. He made the catch of the day at UNO when they played them. Just took off as fast as he could. If he wasn't off at the crack of the bat, and if he wasn't as fast as he was, there was no way he was getting to the ball. Caught it about two feet in front of the fence and just slammed full speed into it and held onto it. So we haven't seen that, didn't see that last year. So those are kind of the three guys that, if healthy, I would assume they are. Without Brumbaugh, I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do. Zach Johnson played, like I said, the catcher. Um, There was a guy in the scrimmage that I couldn't tell who he was. He was wearing a number that wasn't on the roster. I was thinking it was the DH that we got from Southern Miss. Uh, But I'm not not 100% sure who he was. He was playing right field, I think, with the starting unit, and I – they were yelling out names and I couldn't hear what name they were calling him. They were, they had like some strange nickname for everyone that was up to bat to be like, go fish or go 
JP <laughs> or anything, and I couldn't tell anything they were saying to him. So I've, that's the one mystery that I have to wait for. All of us can wait and find out together on Friday, I guess. Offense. Last year we had none. Where is it going to come from this year? You're probably going to see the same same guys that we're used to at the top of the lineup to start the season just because that's what coach is used to and then try and figure out uh, figure out who the guys to sprinkle in from the the newcomers are going to be because um, they had a the, the one guy that I'm not sure where he's at at all is Trey Fromm. He's a pitcher that throws 95, but he also played right field uh, and hit, I think it was like 23 home runs last year and like 350. So he just powered everything. And I can't, he wasn't at the fan day. He wasn't at the scrimmage. So I don't know if it was a, something that day, but. Well, they still. Huge. They still huge. have, they have too many people on the roster, don't they? I mean, they, I was, they have. By Friday, they have them. to get down to 39, right? Yeah, I counted the guys that were at the scrimmage, and there was 39. So if he would have shown up, he would have been the extra guy. Okay. But they wouldn't. A guy coming in with that kind of stuff, you're not going to cut him. So I'm not sure what his situation is. But yeah, yeah. offensively, I think they had Matthews leading off. Uh, I got it here in a second. Matthews leading off, and then Anderson. Karen was the number three hitter, which kind of surprised me. They they do think a lot of his bat, but he just didn't show it a whole lot last year. And then the mystery right fielder was the cleanup hitter, so he's got to be good, whoever he is out there. <laughs> uh, and then Everett was DH and uh, Walsh, the pitcher slash first baseman. He put up a lot of numbers in high school. He just didn't really get a whole lot of chance to play last year because they had a Gomes and style were kind of the two mainstays at first base. And I think Walsh might've even had not like a huge injury, but something that kind of lingered on for a while too. Um, and then it's good that, you know, Anglums was down in the eight hole. So if he's that far down with us, he led our team in average and tied a school record for home runs in the game. So it's gotta be a little promising That's to right. see him go down that far. You know, they return they return some offense that was very inconsistent. I, you know, I, mm -hmm. you know, Bryce Matthews had the year from hell, and you know, hopefully he bounces back and and regains some of that confidence that he showed when he was, you know, a freshman. And you know, he he is going to be you know in the top of the lineup somewhere I would guess and hopefully he gets off to a good start I I don't know I tell you what I think I think in college baseball that first series and you know playing a good team out in San Diego four games against them you know if if a good player has a bad weekend that first weekend of the season it can be hell getting you know, adjusted and getting back around. I mean, Anderson last year got off to a slow start, mm -hmm. but he fortunately was able to to get it turned around. Um, and Matthews, it didn't happen until late in the season. But, uh, you know, I kind of agree with you there, Aaron, with Anglum, you know, hitting down in the eight hole. Um, 
holy smokes, you know, they must have some real solid, solid bats uh, or think they have some solid bats in front of it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take some things. <clears throat> Ralph Davis says D one baseball was guy was good. That was our show with Patrick Ebert. Uh, but why are ranking services so unaware of the Big Ten? Case in point, Michigan made the finals about four years back, yet they were barely ranked most of the year. Do you guys want to take this? You want me to take it? I'll throw I think we're all going to give yeah, the same answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw something out, and you guys can tear it up. You know, it's Michigan was an outlier, and, and that happens from time to time. Um, Big Ten baseball is better than it was 10 years ago. Big Ten baseball is better right now because Nebraska came in the league and it was that's one college, one university that takes the sport serious and it pushed others to step up. Unfortunately, Nebraska hasn't had some of its better teams since they joined the league. But the reality is, is that, you know, the southern states throw a hell of a lot more money, put a lot more into the sport. They have a lot more uh, baseball players nearby that they can recruit that it makes it tough on the big 10 um the big 10 if they want to compete and be considered one of the top leagues they're going to have to put more of a focus on the sport and you know the i think one of the best things that's happened to big 10 baseball is kevin warren has stepped aside now they have a chance oh absolutely now they have a chance to bring in a commissioner. Yeah, I mean, okay, the commissioner's got to put football and basketball at the top. But the commissioner, if the commissioner at least at least treats baseball with some respect, that should move the sport forward. Aaron? Yeah, it was on a pretty good upward trend when Nebraska won the conference in 2017, I think it was. Five teams made the NCAAs, and then the year after, I think it was four. And then... I think it was four again, and then COVID happened. But then that next year, we had the conference-only scheduling because of Warren, and it's just wiped out the depth. We used to have, because back when Nebraska won, when we first got here, each team maybe had one pitcher that could throw 93. When we won it in 2017, the teams were three, four deep, with not only starters, but a couple of guys in the bullpen that could throw 93, yep. 95. And that just not having any development of the midweek games, when you sprinkle in your newcomers and your freshmen and all those guys, when they're supposed to get their work in and get development, that just, we were the only conference of the major conferences that did that. And that just killed us. And I'm, I am a healthcare professional. I'm all for social distancing, but baseball is about the best social distancing sport you got. So I don't know why, <laughs> why that was a thing with, with the Big Ten. But yeah, I think that's just killed any momentum that the Big Ten had at that point. And so we're kind of starting over. So this, this year is when those guys would have been juniors and seniors. So that's why we're seeing all these guys come in from that were aces at Incarnate Word and Wichita State. Those guys are coming in and kind of filling in our holes that we didn't get to really develop like we should have. Okay, Patrick Ebert, during that interview I did with him, talked about the fact that USC and UCLA are coming into this conference. What impact do you think those two schools will have on baseball in the Big Ten? UCLA's been a real solid program the last 10 to 15 years. USC 
has won. I mean, they were <laughs> they were the baseball powerhouse back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, into the 80s, and maybe even into the 90s a little bit. Um, but uh, they're going to force the Big Ten teams to step up. And you think here's so? The, oh yeah. How it, come on? How Penn, Penn State? I swear to God, plays ten freaking games against Elon every year. Well, How are they going to make Penn State do anything? If if they're going to want, okay, <laughs> college athletic departments are competitive <laughs> by nature. College baseball coaches are competitive. I don't care what conference they're in, and when you bring in USC and UCLA, and and here's something else you got to consider, John. You know, you probably it probably hasn't occurred to you <laughs> that teams from the north go to Southern California to play their early season games. Many of them do. USC, UCLA, they get to stay home, you know, all season. And the, the benefit is that now that Nebraska is going to have to go out there and play a series every other year, probably, opens a little bit of recruiting opportunity in Southern California. Nebraska does not have very many – uh, do we have any California kids on the roster? I don't know. You know, I mean, California hasn't been a place that Nebraska typically recruits. But it's going to raise the level because of them. I don't think I, I don't think the coach at Illinois, I don't think the coach at Michigan, and I sure as hell know the coach at Nebraska isn't going to concede the Big Ten championship to UCLA. Yeah, but I think about the RPI thing. The RPI thing bugs me every year. And then I go crazy, and then I just like, uh, you know, I, I go insane like I did last night, you know, when I learned that the NFL is rigged. That's what, it, ah! And then I just, that, all of my life shatters, and uh, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, we were on baseball, and then I my brain went way off off in the distance and uh, went out around no. Pluto. It's the lighting, it's the lighting. Uh, <laughs> You know, okay, there are, there are we, more there messages. Was John, there was a comment earlier. Somebody mentioned how your lighting reminds them of being at Mr. C's. Roger Moore, the lighting in John's studio takes me back to the days of Mr. C's in Omaha. John, do you have any idea what <laughs> Mr. C's is? No. Uh, what oh, is it, Todd, since you brought it up? Well, is it a, is it a, is uh, it a brothel? No, no, no. Okay, well, okay, you know, <laughs> I, Mr. C I don't know. Mr. Seats <laughs> was one of the old school traditional steakhouses, uh, Italian restaurants in, in Omaha. It was up north of downtown, and um, it was, <laughs> you know, in, the old, in one of the early scenes in The Godfather, when they have the wedding reception kind of in the backyard, that Mr. C's kind of reminds me of that too, that decor. Um, but Mr. C's was a great restaurant. And it, <laughs> every every day of the year, they had Christmas lights, twinkle lights uh, up in the ceiling at Mr. C's. So. Okay, Joel Tilson comes in with how good is the Huskers baseball team this year? That is the question. Todd? No, ask Aaron that question. He's much better pr prognosticating than I am. 
era? I would say, I would say, uh, yeah, last year we were picked to be the number one team preseason, and I, I didn't buy that. I don't think we'll be. I think we'll be a lot closer to where we were in 2021 than we were last year. Um, I don't think we're going to win the championship. Um, Maryland's got too many arms, too many bats, too many bullpen arms. I, I think they'll get it this year unless they have some injuries to their top guys. But uh, I could see us being top half of the Big Ten tournament. So I'd get you. I'd, I'd be comfortable buying tickets to Omaha right now. So we're going to make the Big Ten tournament. Oh yeah. If we don't, is there pressure on Will Bolt? Um. I think I, I think somebody might throw a match. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the tough questions here. Okay, I, so we're gonna make the. We don't know. We really. There's so many new guys. Do we know anything? This this team's gonna be a better team than they were last year. Okay, and, and I agree with Aaron. They're gonna be they're gonna be closer to the team that we saw a couple of years ago. Um, you know. It, it, it's just hard to say because he's right. I mean, shoot, everybody was picking Nebraska to win the conference last year, and Nebraska couldn't see the top of the conference last year. Yeah, uh, you know, the I think the schedule, the Big Ten schedule, is is favorable for Nebraska. Other than the fact they got to go on the road to play the who I think are probably the two top teams in the conference, Maryland. And uh, Michigan, they're on the road against both of those teams. And they got to go back to Purdue. And I think the coordination needs to start a fundraiser. I will personally take a tarp to Purdue with me next this, this spring <laughs> so that they have one. Now, one man cannot put a tarp on a field, so I would have to have some help. <laughs> Do you think Purdue would let you put a tarp on their field? If you came along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I I'm getting old, Todd. <laughs> on the other hand, they'd probably go, God, he's got dementia. We don't know what to do. Uh okay, next question. For Roger Moore, is nil available to baseball players? Yeah. Yep. They just joined the is it the eighteen ninety? I forget what it's called. It Something is the like 1890 that. Collective, yeah. Yeah, Will Bolt was wearing a fleece yesterday of that around town, I guess. What? For some photographs. And so, yeah, they're, they're definitely. There's an 1890 fleece? That's what he was wearing. I'll be a damned. nice little 1890 logo there. He's getting getting the word out. But okay, yeah, Don Drake. Don Dre asked, will Nebraska make the College World Series this year? Uh, I think we need to focus on making the Big Ten tournament this year and go from there. This, you know, it's not unlike the football program. I mean, you kind of look at it and go, can we get to a bowl game and then we'll worry about everything else after that? Uh, I think the College World Series is, I don't want to say it's a ways off, but it's an uphill climb for any Big Ten team. Uh, okay, I did that one. Yeah, we'll get a good look about how good they are versus the top teams real quick up in Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, Ralph Davis, Mississippi. Ralph Davis comes back and says, thanks for answering my question. Big Ten gets overlooked by ranking services, but could that be an advantage for us? 
I, you know, I think that Nebraska can, how would that be an advantage for us? Well, I'll tell you Maybe what, if we're just going to find diamonds in the rough. If Nebraska can knock off one of those teams up in Minneapolis, you know, you can't take that win away. That win, that win stays on the record all spring, you know, and the, the, you know, the publications, the, the, the people that do the rankings and stuff, they don't totally ignore the Big Ten. I mean, you know, if, if there is a Big Ten team that gets some quality wins in the preseason and then takes care of business during the conference season, you know, they'll, they'll move up the rankings. Um, but, you know, like I said, Nebraska's got to win ballgames. And you can't come into the Big Ten season with a losing record. You, 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 you can't do it. There are about, what, 340 Division One baseball teams? Yeah, somewhere. and we were like 320th in defense last year, I think. Yeah, it, it's somewhere in there. But when you look at the big baseball picture, I think, you know, the, the, the cold weather thing is a big disadvantage for any, any team in the Big Ten. But the other thing is, is like we've mentioned, the conference does not put an emphasis on baseball. They don't make any – I, they could help out the conference with baseball and they really haven't like these guys have brought up the COVID years really damaged uh, the big Ten's baseball, but they, there are, there are conferences that are ahead of the big 10 that we don't even think about in relation to, you know, we're always concentrated on football. So we, we are so football heavy in Nebraska that we think about like the big 12, certainly they're a good baseball conference. Uh, but what, like the Pacific League? I can't remember some of these conferences. Sun Belt is a much better league or conference yep. than. Uh, yeah. What are the other conferences that are ahead of the Big Ten? Well, you got the SEC and the ACC without a question. Sun right. Belt Conference. The Pac 12 right. is going to be ahead. Whatever that conference is that Cal Fullerton and all those Cal State right. schools are in, you know, that's certainly going to be above. And yeah. and the conference that has like Louisiana Lafayette and and Middle T and Eastern uh, I don't know East Carolina the West and, Coast the West Coast Conference is that those guys out there might be yeah might I think be. it is something like that I'm looking at Boyd's World I used to go to D1 baseball for some of this stuff but it actually became in a full fledged national site all right let's see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, Linda Linda Wilkins comes in with uh, Todd has the eyes gone as well as the waist. Uh, I'm uh, Todd. What do you think? Mercy, I need Linda. <laughs> oh, jeez. He was working hard with those emojis. Roger Moore says. Uh, Roger Moore says the channel can raise your bail money. Well, Careful what I, you're promising nice. here, buddy. I think, you know, I'll tell you what, Purdue doesn't pull a tarp out this year. I'll need, a, I'll need bail money. James Marshall comes back with an interesting question. I have no idea. What Major League Baseball team is the most popular in Nebraska? I know that Bob Gibson is from Omaha, so I figured that the Cardinals must be up there. A lot of Royal fans. There's yeah, a lot of Royal fans. Yeah, we've got the AAA Storm Chasers feed into the Royals, so 
there is a few Royals fans. They're pretty quiet until they win the World Series every 30 years. But So is it anybody else but the Royals? Out West, you got some Rockies fans, but that's because yeah, just of the a few Rockies. I, I, I follow Major League Baseball not at all. Uh, let's see. Oh, and Cubs. We're, Lots of Cubs. We're at yeah. an hour. We're at an hour, which we usually try to target for a show. Is there anything I'm missing about the baseball team? Well, we we can throw the tease. We haven't we haven't set a date, but Coronation is going to have an event at a baseball game this summer, this spring. Uh, we'll put together a tailgate before one of the games and invite people to come and and uh, cut a lock of John's hair. Um, we will provide scissors and we will have little plastic Ziploc bags if you would like to take uh, a little memento uh, home with you. Uh, John's Locks of Love. Um, all proceeds will go to uh, paying his barber to fix his hair once everybody takes the piece that they want. Um, but we will have, uh, we're planning to have a tailgate at uh, one of the ball games this year. And hopefully we get some of the other folks that uh, write for Corn Nation and, you know, other podcasters and some of the folks that uh, um, we spend a lot of time together online. Uh, we, we haven't had a whole lot of opportunity ourselves to get together face to face. And, um, we're going to try to do something like that to, to get the crew there and, and invite, uh, people who follow us, uh, on the podcast and read the blog to come out and, and join us for a few cold ones. All right. I have one more comment from MK. He said, conspiracy theories. Tell us about the balloons, John aliens. Yes. Or maybe. Okay. Here, here's the thing that I want you to know about the the balloons uh they are balloons but they're nfl balloons they're not chinese they're not any foreign nation they are the nfl and the nfl is poised to take over as the government of the united states and i personally would welcome our new overlords because they would control everything and they do a masterful job of it. I don't know if you noticed before the Super Bowl, but the NFL did, and I'm serious about this part, the NFL did a better job of bringing everybody in this country together than anybody else has for God knows how many years. When you saw, who was it, one of the Kelsey brothers crying before the no, game? That was the coach. That was Sirianni. And okay. Jason. Okay. Jason Kelsey does too. All right. Missed that's the power of the NFL. And if they can do that, they certainly could put balloons at high altitudes to spy on everything so they know exactly what's going on everywhere. I can you know, go on further about this, but that's a different channel. Well, I just want to, I do know something about this. And I just want to tell MK, it's not aliens. Do you hear what the, the, the father alien said to the two kid aliens in the back oh, seat? When they when they flew by Earth, roll up your window. <laughs> I will this say they the asked the top security advisor <laughs> on these and asked if he could rule out them being extraterrestrial. He didn't say yes. 
That was the second worst joke I've ever heard in my life. Oh my God, Todd, Aaron! Well, I thought Aaron just gave up and went away. All right, do we do we have anything else for the kind folks out there? I think we're pretty much out. All right. Well, that that wraps up a this is almost a real outro. This wraps up another Monday night therapy show. And uh, I think that's it for a night. Good night, Aaron. Good night, Todd. Hey, good night, John. Good night, all. Good night, Moon.